CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Friday. Welcome. Another installment of Options Action is here. Here's what's coming up on the big show tonight. As Madonna once said, we are living in a material world, and I... Hold on a second. This is Carter Worth's world, and he'll do the singing, thank you very much, singing the virtues of materials. Then, Lizzo once sang, where the heck, my phone? Tony Zhang knows, and he's found T-Mobile all up in his contacts. He'll show you how to unlock that. And finally, Tiny Tim once crooned, tiptoe through the tulips with me. But my co's tune is about tiptoeing through tips or treasury inflationary protected securities. Now try and harmonize with that one. Yeah. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts right now. Let's begin with the material world that we are living in. Materials making a big comeback in the past few months, and that has got Carter eyeing an even bigger rally for the group. Carter, what are you looking at? Well, in the sense that if one wants to really talk about the whole notion of value growth and what is working and what isn't working, what we do know, of course, is that of the four highly cyclical sectors, materials, energy, industrials, and financials, it's actually materials uh, that have done the best. So let's look at a few tables and charts. The first is simply looking at those four uh, from the March low, from the market's low. And what we see here, and you can see it there clearly in that uh, list, is that materials are leading the way. It's a small sector, uh, but it's an important sector nonetheless. Look at the second slide. Now, what about year to date? Not from the March low, just since uh, we began the year. Now, everyone is down. And while materials are down, albeit barely, let's call that unch. Take a look at a one-year basis. Again, all those sectors are down. Materials of the four, only one that's up, up 5%. And even on a two-year basis, just to say uh, and show how long this has been, the only of the four cyclical sectors that is green on a two-year basis is materials. And you're seeing important uh, moves in certain stocks. Finally, let's look at a chart or two. So the first is the XLB, uh, the ETF that's very liquid and you can trade, and uh, there are no annotations or judgments here on this chart by me. But now if you look at the next and final uh, chart, uh, this is what my eye sees, meaning we are toying with the prospects of an important breakout type move to new highs. That is not the case for financials or energy um, or industrials. They are not at 52-week highs and they are not in this position. Now certain key stocks like Echo Lab have already broken out, Sherwin-Williams is doing it, uh, APD and so forth. So what I think here is that you're going to get some of the laggards to catch up and that the sector overall will indeed break out. So long materials uh, because they're a coiled spring, but also because they're actually the ones that are doing the best if you really want to get into cyclicals and value growth conversation. So Mike, what's the trade based off of the, these charts? Well, yeah, certainly Carter was just talking about a couple of things that I would actually take a look at. Uh, Lind, which is the largest constituent of this, is at all-time highs. 
We've got Newmont in there. We have Ecolab, as he was pointing out. Newmont, obviously, I think a lot of people who are playing in the mining space and looking at the metals in particular for further upside moves, these are all stocks that are doing remarkably well. So a lot of times when you get to these levels where people are wondering whether things are going to break out, the stocks that I'm talking about, the top three actually represent 35% of this uh, particular group of stocks, and they already have broken out to new highs. The other thing I would actually have people consider as we try to come up with option strategies right now, I think we're at a fairly interesting juncture. Actually, Karen kind of alluded to this at the tail end of Fast Money when she was talking about the fact that the VIX has come in. The VIX is at historically elevated levels, but when you think about where we've been in just the recent history and the fact that we're not through all of the uncertainty that would have created that elevated volatility to begin with, I actually think that maybe for the first time in a while we shouldn't really be looking too much at spreads because even though options prices might be higher than they have been historically, I think they're justifiably so given the continued uncertainty that we have. So I think when you're looking at trying to play for new breakouts in the index itself, you can keep the trade really simple. I was just looking out, in fact, to the September 62 calls. When I was looking at these earlier today, they were about $2.25. So when we think about that, that's you know, a relatively small percentage of how much XLB costs at this point. And that's really the key right here. You will have more of an opportunity if you keep the trade simple right now when we do see a spike in volatility to trade around that position, whether you want to spread it, whether you want to adjust it. And frankly, doing things like selling puts as a part of a spread at this juncture, when we see things butting up against these highs and volatility having come in as much as it has, I think that's a very uh, risky proposition, and I'm not really inclined to do it. I mean, we are, personally, we're, we're bullishly positioned here. We're probably about 75% net long, but we are net long volatility now. We were doing a lot of adjusting, of course, because today's expiration. Yeah. Tony, do you like this trade? Yeah, so I really like this trade from the perspective of the long-term view that Carter has of the breakout above 62. I specifically like the constituents that everyone has mentioned here. They're looking very strong. The one concern I do have, which is something that Mike brought up about the risk of selling a put here, is that this ETF is up 13% over the last three weeks. It's trading just against that 62 level. You see a bit of a negative divergence on the recent moves higher. So I do have concerns that you have a bit of a 3 to 5% pullback over the next few trading periods. So I like to be a little bit more conservative on these types of trades. Mike's trade is only risking 4% of the underlying ETS value, which is a very small percentage to risk. But I'd like to be a little bit more conservative. I think that you could get a pullback into that $58, $60 level. I would be looking to go long in those particular in that area. Mike, do you want to respond? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that's actually specifically why. You know, we, here we are. We have this sort of a binary situation. It's either going to break out or it's going to do what Tony was suggesting, which is fail to break out in the near term. And that's one of the things. If we pull up that chart of how a call profits, what you're going to see is that asymmetry. You're limiting your downside risk, but you get upside participation. That's the reason why we're using this, probably one of the simplest option strategies you can have at this particular time. It's because we've had that run. It's because of the risk that it could pull back. But it's because it is also potentially poised to break out. Overall, Carter, though, do you think that value uh, in cyclicals are the place to be in the market? Well, again, remember, these are just trading chips. They don't yeah. have enduring uh, prospects, right? So the question is, yes, if you're going to go for the gusto, beta is one area to do it. And beta is associated with often deep cyclical type names. So 
the point here, XLB, or it is XLF or XLI, or pick your individual stock, is that you're going to get the torque, if you're playing for that, out of this area of the market more so than the other. All right. Well, while materials are indicative of the broader market, phones could be a proxy for consumer spending. T-Mobile gaining ground in the last few months. More recently on reports this week that it is unifying with telecommunications giant Sprint under the T-Mobile brand. Tony says the stock's run isn't done. So, Tony, what are you looking to do? Yeah, so I really like T-Mobile. I've liked this for quite some time. I really see this as a bit of a disruptor within the wireless carrier space. But as we stare down 35 million unemployed people in this country, I think what we're going to see is a lot more price sensitivity to your wireless carrier going forward. And this is something that T-Mobile is not shy about going after both AT&T and Verizon customers and competing with them based on price alone. So if we look at the chart, what I particularly like here is that you've had a very constructive chart, a breakout above that $100 level. It's been basing for a bit of time and consolidating, and I think the earnings announcement next week is the catalyst it needs to continue moving higher. Now, if you look at this this stock compared to its sector, it's the only wireless carrier that's outperforming the sector itself over the, this past year, while AT&T and Verizon are severely underperforming. So this stock is not only beating its peers, but also the sector. If we look at earnings, the earnings revisions are actually particularly strong, especially on the earnings per share side. But the options market currently is not implying a big move here, only about a 2.7% move compared to the average of about 4.8% that we've seen over the past four quarters. So the trade structure I'm looking to use here is to take advantage of this somewhat mildly bullish view that I have going into earnings and coupling that with my longer term bullish view here on T-Mobile stocks. So the trade structure I'm looking to use here is a call diagonal. I'm going out to the August 7th, September 105-110 call diagonal, where I'm buying the September 105 calls for about $6.15, and I'm selling the August 7th 110 calls against that for about $1.92. Net-net here, I'm paying $4.23, and the, and the outlook that I have here is that T-Mobile might move a little higher here on earnings, but not a whole lot, and I'm looking for those August 7th 110 calls to roll off, collect that $1.92, and then I'll have those September 105 calls that I could potentially sell more calls against that once those August 7th calls roll off. And this trade is only risking roughly 4% of the underlying stock's value to take this mildly bullish but long-term bullish view here into earnings. Mike, what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, I like it. And actually, Tony basically laid out very specifically and in quite an articulate way why you want to use a strategy like this. I mean, I wouldn't look at a straight calendar, but the nice thing about this diagonal is that if it does rally, there's no circumstance where the stock can actually exceed the modest increase that he's expecting and for you to see losses. The other thing I like about it, buying the September at the money calls, the two primary mistakes that most options traders who are buying calls will make is that they either buy calls that are too far out of the money or they pick an expiration that is just too short. You need to give some time for your thesis to play out and you can't really start reaching too much for these ones that are so cheap that they're really kind of long odds that the stock's actually going to exceed the strike. So for both of those reasons, I think it makes sense. And then finally, I would also point out, look at how much he's collecting for the call that he's selling, which actually expires relatively soon. Almost a third of the premium that he's spending on that longer dated option. And we do like selling premium when you have an identifiable catalyst, especially if you don't think it's likely to exceed those strikes, because that is the premium that tends to get crushed 
uh, precipitously when the catalyst comes and goes. So I think this is a good trade structure in this uh, particular situation. Carter, what do you think of T-Mobile? Well, I mean, this is an important stock in its, uh, well, its uh, enduring uptrend. Let's just say it that way. It was such a an outperformer that, of course, it merged with Sprint. We know that was completed on April 1st. But when that news was announced uh, in February, T-Mobile was at the point in time outperforming the market one, two, three, five years. And it's continuing to do that, meaning, uh, yes, it's got its bigger competitors, uh, Verizon and AT&T. But this is really the horse to bet on. I, I love the chart and I, I love the way forward. Loves the chart and loves the way for That's really, that's a striking endorsement from Carterworth. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Coming up, is the market at a tipping point? Professor Ko will show you how to balance out risk and reward around a market fulcrum that the home gamer rarely gets a chance to weigh into. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Check out Treasury is getting trounced today. Yields on the 10-year slipping below 0.6%, while the five-year yield hit a brand new all-time low. But when there's a rate route, there could be a bond breakout brewing. If you're looking for the best way to play it, you're in luck because the professor has a few tips, so to speak. Mike goes here with the call to action. Mike. Yeah, so I think the first thing we should think about is that clearly from a fundamental standpoint, it would seem that we are in a low rate environment and maybe even that rates would go lower. And yet, kind of as what you were alluding to here, one of the things we saw this week was we saw a lot of institutional participants betting on steepening of the curve. What does that mean? They might have been selling longer dated treasuries and betting on the near term rates to fall. So how do we reconcile these two things? The fact that we actually think that rates are going lower and yet you start to see the long end of the curve go up a little bit. What's going on here is actually inflation. That's the difference. It's real rates that we are concerned about. And that's why we're going to talk about TIPS, which are Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. Now, of course, implied volatility in all of these instruments is higher than it has been, but this is still a relatively cheap place to make a bet. I'm inclined to just go out and buy the September 125 calls. Those would cost about $1.15, so a very small fraction, less than 1% of what TIP, the ETF, is currently trading at. And essentially, if we continue to see this, basically that divergence, which is a play on lower real rates, but the potential for inflation, this is a way that you can participate without actually going out and buying TIP, which has obviously seen a very significant rally in the last several months. Carter, your thoughts? Well, uh, we have one chart here that we can just examine together, and this is the, the break-even ETF, the TIPs. I mean, essentially this. We're not only in a low-rate environment, there is every prospect that rates are going uh, to zero. And in fact, that sort of mantra, you know, rates to zero, gold to infinity, I think is not so unreasonable. And so what we know is that real rates on, on the five-year made new record lows today, literally at negative uh, 1%. And 
despite all the so-called uh, hope and the growth and the coming out of the pandemic and all the things that one wants to consider or look at, rates are mired, and I think not only mired, but going lower. So here, if you will, is the channel. And what I've tried to do is draw the channel as though the entire COVID sort of move didn't happen. And to have you look at it in that sense, and we are just uh, ticking higher. And so this is, uh, again, I like the way forward. But Mike, you like taking a look at uh, the tip ETF as opposed, I mean, gold, Carter had mentioned gold to infinity. There's two sides to play this sort of same thesis. Would you also do the flip side to this? Well, well, you know, the fact is, I think both Carter and I have been, uh, I mean, I don't know how many times I've repeated my long gold view yeah. going back at least 18 months. We actually spoke at a conference in Las Vegas about it. I feel like I talk about it every time. And I want people to be aware that it's not the only way to play it. And of course, whether you elect to play it using something like this, or whether you elect to play it using GLD, or whether you elect to decide to go out and buy the miners or the junior miners, or even pick a specific one, or buy silver, which, by the way, should probably pick up as well. I think any of these, in fact, all of these, are probably good ways to play this exact same thesis. Yeah. Tony, what do you think? Yeah, so this is a theme that we've been talking about for quite some time. This is how we, at least I am positioned in my portfolio, similar to Mike, long gold, short rates. So I completely agree with the trade itself. I had the same challenge as Mike as far as the trade goes in terms of finding strike prices and collecting enough premium to sell anything. So one of the things that I really like about Mike's trade is that it's really cheap. He's risking a very small percentage of the ETF's value to take this bullish bet. The one thing that I could potentially add to this trade, which is something that I simulated, that I did with my HYG trade, which is sell in August 123 put. And that put, you'll collect about 50 cents, especially if you believe in this short rates environment. Selling that 123 put will collect about 50 cents, that's going to offset a little bit more than a 40% of the cost of that long call. That is one way to negate some of the time premium that you have to pay on this trade. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I mean, for the reasons I talked about earlier, I mean, I, I'm just not comfortable selling a lot of puts. This thing traded down to, I think, 109 or so in the depths of it. There's a lot of other mechanical things that are going on in the marketplace, supply and demand-wise, which are causing prices to swing around a little bit more than maybe they deserve to fundamentally. And because of that vulnerability, I'm not really looking to sell a lot of premium. And like I said, in our own portfolios, we're not short premium here. I think actually now's the time that we can start to, you know, begin acquiring optionality mm -hmm. instead of selling it. All right. Up next, Morgan Stanley beating earnings this week. We'll revisit Mike's trade on the big bank. He'll reveal what to do next. More options action up next. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Last week, Cohen Carter said Morgan Stanley was your best big bank bet. Key here is Morgan Stanley's relative performance to its sector. And what you see, of course, is that Morgan Stanley is not at an all-time high, and yet relative performance has already broken out and is particularly firm over the past several trading sessions and past several weeks. I was looking at the July-September 50 call calendar. Actually, the stock was a little bit lower when I was looking at this today. It obviously closed at a relatively good level on the day. That was going to cost about $1.85 for that spread. First leg of that trade expired today in the green. So what do you do now, Mike? Yeah, so this is a situation. Please be sure to follow Options Action on Twitter and follow us on Twitter because actually there was some give and take between us and the viewers on this. I recommended rolling the short side 
out and up, and some of you had actually adjusted your strikes to the 52, so well done on that. Be nimble when we wake up on Monday and the prices are different. You should adjust your strikes accordingly. Carter? You know, it was a big week. If you think about it, the BKX index actually was down. The financial sector overall was up to uh, Morgan Stanley up 5.2%. I think there's more to go. All right. Elsewhere, Tony said one farmer name was about to book some healthy returns on a relative basis compared to the healthcare and pharma space, it's actually underperforming. But if you look at the estimate revisions going into earnings, they're particularly strong. So I actually see the recent decline in this underlying stock as an opportunity to get into a long position going into earnings next week. And I'm looking to buy the 143-150 call spread, spending about $3.15 to buy that July 143 call and collecting about 90 cents for that 150 call. Well, the trade jumped into the green this week. So, Tony, how are you managing this one? Yeah, so when you trade a debit vertical spread like this and the stock it just reaches that upper strike, it's time to take profits. Earlier today, this trade was up about 95%. I think it's time to take profits and close out the trade. All right. Up next, we have your tweets and the final call. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Our first viewer asks, should I hold my August 14th 210 call on Microsoft? Carter, why don't you take that one? Well, it's a binary thing. You've got earnings, of course, uh, next Wednesday after the close. The stock closed uh, slightly below that level. My hunch is if it's going to be of the big tech names, a winner, Microsoft's probably it. I'd hold them. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what would you say? Yeah, I'm inclined. I'm, I like Microsoft and I'm long the stock. Tony, your thoughts? Um, I, have, I have a short put credit spread here on Microsoft. So I'm not expecting such a strong move here on Microsoft. I think it's going to be more of a muted move just like last quarter. Yeah, I mean, the the thing going into this earnings season is that we're seeing this rotation out of technology. We we talked about earlier in the show into value names, Mike. So I'm wondering how you think that factors into some of these reports that we're going to be getting. Yeah, you know, this is going to be a really interesting uh, earnings season in general, I think, and not just for Microsoft, but for a lot of different stocks, because, of course, the last earnings season really didn't tell us too much about what the impact would be, and now we're going to have a much better sense of that. Microsoft, in particular, is kind of an interesting one because it plays off all of the themes of, you know, work from home and all of that, and I like a lot of their products there, even though Zoom, Slack, and some others have gotten more attention for it than, for example, Teams has done. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just long the stock. I don't happen to have an options position in it, but I do like it. All right. Time now for the final call. The last word from the options pits, Carter Braxton-Worth. I think you can play materials here, and the select fund XLB is the way to do it. Long. Tony. T-Mobile, disrupting the wireless carrier space. Long, a call calendar going into earnings next week. Professor Co. Long calls in XLB and the tips. And 11 years ago today, my son Tommy was born on another Options Action Friday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Tommy. That does it for us here on Options Action. See you back here next Friday. Meantime, Mad Money starts right now.
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.